Welcome to another episode of What's New in Wagyu. My name's Stephen Wolf, and I'll be your host today. I'm going to be all alone today, so bear with me. I don't think it'll be too bad, but we'll get through it as we go. So let's start off this episode by saying it's really nice to see Rapid Bay has come out with their first edition and first online sale. I've really enjoyed watching stuff that Steve Borland's done over the years, and I think that he's done a great job in the Jersey world, and he's taken that years of experience and understanding in genetics and breeding in his Jersey cows and multiplied it across uh, these Akushi cattle. You know, I'm a guy that started off early on in my career with red cattle and converted over to black cattle at some point. So red cattle look, kind of have my heart. Uh, I've been able to do some things along with other red breeders like Garth Monroe to find the best, most usable sources of red Wagyu and make them and learn to feed them especially, and then turn around and be able to produce carcasses that rival most black carcasses that are done here in the United States. Uh, we kill quite a few red carcasses every year and they compete right alongside the black carcasses. I'm not going to say that they're going to beat the black carcasses every time, but they sure give a lot of carcasses that we've seen over the years a run for their money. And a lot of the carcasses that I see on the the online forums, especially on the Facebook pages, our red Wagyu consistently beat those carcasses. And now as we sell Wagyu to a lot of chefs and influential people throughout the country they're now requesting our red product every bit as much as our black product and and we run two herds so and, and we keep them separate and we keep them you know streamlined and every once in a while we do have a red black but that's usually because i want to have a heifer have a smaller calf and that's what we've done over the years so let's talk about rapid bay's first sale it's going to be done by wagyu by wagyu 365 and it's coming up soon I believe it's going to be held uh, 5, 19 to 22 from 4 to 7 p.m. And I think it's something to look at if you do have Red Wagyu or you want to extend, you know, maybe your Black Wagyu herd by adding a couple reds. So let's start off with their lot one. You know, interesting thing here, I, I haven't really been able to utilize and like GK4 Rusha Maru. Man, that was a rough one today. I'm usually a little better on my pronunciations, but it is what it is. So, you know, GK4, he's been around for a little while. He's a Rusha son. I think that, you know, he does have some merit. I'm not a huge fan of his damn Katamaru 2, mainly because Tamaru's involved. I've seen some white spotting from GK4 calves. I've got, you know, some pictures and some stuff that I really don't like. You know, and the problem is, is once we get a spotting gene in, then we run ourselves into some problems with registration. So anything above that navel, if you get white spotting, either association, the AWA or the Australian Association, and here you're dealing with a large group of animals registered with the Akaushi Association only. So... GK4 by Rapid Bay Jojo. I think that's an interesting breeding only because you're bringing together some interesting genetics. Katsukari is on on the female side. Um, the female breeding for Jojo is Katsukari by a IWG Miss Judo. So you're getting some interesting older school breeding. You know, Katsukari is hard to get here in the United States. We've bred to him. I've got a Katsukari son that I absolutely love. He is one of our herd sires. You know, they're phenomenal animals. And the cool part is, is you're getting Hakari by Akiko. So essentially, you're taking the dam of Big Al and breeding it, you know, and bringing a half brother Hakari across the top of it. And I think that these animals are absolutely beautiful. 
I will tell you right now that Katsukari makes some very, very nice females and some very, very nice males, and his meat profiles are absolutely beautiful. I think that what saves this bull from GK4, uh, and, and mainly it's the Tamaru coming through with Katamaru to his dam, is that you're saving that that marbling issue. Sometimes Tamaru will lean up your cattle. I, I'm not saying like lean it up past Angus, but it leans it up and it makes it very hard to achieve black wagyu style style marbling in your carcasses. So anytime I have Tamaru involved, I really cringe. I don't really love it, but here's a good opportunity to own a bull that has a good base in that maternal side that'll really help you out. Uh, anytime you mix, you know, a home run hitter like Hikari and Judo, you're you're really coming across and having a really good opportunity to be very successful in the breeding. If you go down to lot two, you know this is kind of an interesting deal. During, if you read in this, uh, it's called a mixed flush, so you have the opportunity of getting GK4, come and take it, the right Wagyu Master Chef, all bred back to a Rapid Bay Toku. Toka, I don't know how he's pronouncing it. And that's an interesting deal to me. You know, during the early 90s and into the early 2000s, this was a pretty common practice in the dairy world is using multiple sires in the same conventional flush. And the theory was, is if you did this and had an animal, say your first straw semen for that conventional flush, that wasn't quite as virile as the rest, or you were worried about the semen uh, not being able to hit the mo maturate the most amount of embryos you would follow up with a secondary sire not the same as the first but a secondary sire and and do what they call um, mixed pools back then or mixed flushes ivf i think they call it common pooling now i've seen it a few times where they'll have more multiple females and one straw of semen they're using in the same petri dish rather than mixing it in multiple dishes so this is kind of interesting too because now you're bringing a cow in that is a Henson on top of Relay by a Judo cow. And that's kind of a really straightforward, 100% Australian way to breed these black, these red cows. And I'll tell you right now, I love most Australian breedings. Relay brings a lot of marbling power. I don't know exactly where it's coming from exactly, but it, it, he is a good sire. It, it's very rare to get Relay in your... Uh, it's Ashwood Park Relay, so everybody understands. It's hard to get him in your, in your systems because there just wasn't a lot of semen imported on him. And what I've seen going on here is, is Steve Borland has done a really good job job of breeding animals the Australian way and how we handle our red cattle is we do the same thing you will look in most of my red pedigrees and they're very Australian bred bulls that nobody knows about and the interesting part is they're the bulls that help me make my marbling and make me get to the end when you start talking about these mixed flushes I don't know I I've never done it. I, I didn't come around. I didn't grow up doing this. So it could be a great thing. It could be a bad thing. It's like scratching a, a lottery ticket, right? So two of these sires I absolutely love. You know, come and take it. It's a 518 son, which means you're going to get Hakari by Die 8, Red Emperor's mom, and uh, the right way you Master Chef. So that's the bull that I've rallied around behind for a long time. Master Chef is a big, beautiful, powerful bull. He won the World Wagyu competition two times. He's very long in depth, and, and his marbling propensity is amazing. 
the problem is is very few straws of semen were ever imported so the the semen that's floating around now is pretty hard it's starting to get hard to get get a hold of you know when they imported this originally i think the selling price was between 100 and 150 a straw last week i heard from a cup from a couple of breeders that i know that have a little bit left uh, they were selling it for over a thousand dollars a straw. So here's an opportunity. You might get lucky if it's your lucky lucky number day. It's time for you to to pick up this lot, and maybe you'll get some Master Chef uh, prodigy from this. Master Chef's done an amazing thing for my herd. Most of my cows are big girls that are Master Chef daughters. They end up being about eighteen hundred to nineteen hundred pounds full grown. Again, I'm breeding mine to a very Australian-bred Kalenga Red Star on top of JC Rusha 92. So I'm I'm breeding big cattle anyway, and I'm also making the marble. But I think this is a very good opportunity for you to be able to to sneak in and grab some of these cool Australian genetics that that I don't think you'll see very much. I can tell you, we very very rarely sell any embryos or any live cattle from any of our Australian breedings because we just can't get them anymore. So if you go down to your next lot, not lot 3A and 3B, the cool thing about 3A and 3B is you're going to get another pulled group of, of things, right? They've taken a GK4 daughter and bred it back across... Uh, two bulls, uh, you know, again, the right Wagyu Master Chef, and then Terminator. I, I don't know a lot about these heart brambles because I am kind of in a weird st series of, of events in, in our program. So what we have done in our program is is I am tri-registered through Australian Wagyu Association, the American Wagyu Association, and as of about a month ago, the Akaushi Association. And the reason we did this is, is I can take any registration from Australia or America, and they, they go back and forth. Or I can take any any Australian or American Wagyu full blood registration and transfer it down to the Akaushi Association. The problem comes if you have Akaushi Association registrations only, the other two registrations, they won't accept it. So you're stuck living in one group of people and one group of sales. And what we have done is we've built our reputation in the Wagyu industry, not only here, but in Australia, on the fact that we have some of the best red cows available. A lot of other breeders, a few other breeders have done that. I know Garth Monroe at IWG has done that. And I believe that there's a couple others that have kind of done, done a similar thing and then converted now down to Amer the American Akaushi Association. So here's the big, the big takeaway from that. Most of the stuff I see on here is only registered with the Akaushi Association. And that really disheartens me because I can't really get into any of it. Uh, I refuse to not be able to sell to a bigger diversity of people. And I don't think that it's right for the way we're breeding our system to take away anybody's opportunity to be part of whatever association they want. So what we've done is, is if the animal isn't be, isn't capable of being tri-register, we don't do it. So, you know, moving on, I know that was a little kind of offside rant, but it's okay, right? Like every, we all have our own way of doing business and that's the way I do business. You know, you go down to lot three to lot four now, and you have the same above. Essentially, you have Master Chef, you have Terminator. But what they've done is, is they've used a different female, uh, uh, Rapid Beitoa, who's a GK4 over a IWG uh, IWG Judo daughter, 
And, and I think that's a good combination, right? Like if you people are, if you guys are already set and want to stay with just the Akaushi Association, I think this is a home run. You know, there's very few opportunities any of you are going to get to get this. And the big reason why is, is Kajikari's was, is really hard to get a hold of. You can't have him here in the United States. So your only way of getting him is getting him through MasterChef. And TWA Kajikari, the biggest winner of him is, is his dam is Yume. So they took Hikari and bred it to Yume, and Yume has the propensity of bringing the most amount of marbling forward of any of the original red female cows that I've ever seen. You know, a, a close second would be Namiko, followed by a Dai 8, and then a Kiko. And that's, you know, that's us doing hundreds upon hundreds of kills and knowing and visually seeing all of these carcasses and tracing back the lineages so that we can make a wise and informed decision on what animal is going to bring us the best marbling forward because I make my money two ways, through breeding stock and then here's the big one, we sell a ton of meat you know throughout the united states and export some a little bit overseas so here's the problem if i cannot get my marbling it doesn't matter what the animal's bred like or what it looks like i cannot make some money on the back end with our steers and we have an 80 to 90 percent cull rate on all of our bulls to make sure that we have the best bulls available on the market when we sell and we have a you know a group of people that come up and they've been a dedicated buying group and they buy bulls and we love to have new customers but you know we are catering to the top of the game and i've been one of them guys i'm a top one percent guy so if i can't produce some of the best bulls with the best marbling i don't want to be part of it and i have a huge advantage i own the cattle i own the feedlot i own the slaughter plant so i have a huge database and a huge ability to have data that a lot of people don't have. So the rant's a little long, right? But I'm going to tell you right now, if you can get a little master chef in your herd, here's the time to do it and come and take it. He's no slouch either. He's going to bring you it. Like I said, die eight and Hikari again. So you're not going wrong either way. If you're just going to be in the Akaushi Association, this is a great way to go. Terminator, uh, you know, as I said earlier, that was in lot, in lot uh, four, well, three, sorry, in lot three and in lot four, he's a he's a Tamaru son. I think he's got some some advantages, but I, it concerns me that I've lost a little bit of, you know, the ability to have the marbling that I want. And, and that's it. it. It's not right, right or wrong. It's just what works in our feeding program and our slaughter facility. You know, as we move down, we're looking at lot five and that's a, a master chef and a come and take it again, uh, again, by Miss, by Rapid Bay Tala. Lot six is Terminator and come and take it. Um, and that's to a really kind of interesting breeding that I thought was cool. Um, it, it's that GK4 by IWG Miss Judo. And, and I think that, you know, you, you're taking a little bit of risks when you start having these mixed sire settings. But either way, these settings are great. And the kind of the cool part about it is, is you're getting the opportunity to have something that not a lot of people have. And that's what you're going to hear over and over again about this sale is I think there's a lot of things in this sale that people would love to have, and this will be their first opportunity to get them. So following lot six is lot seven, another pooled group. You'd get GK4, Master Chef, come and take it. 
all on top of a really pretty little cow, which is a relay on top of an IWG Miss Judo cow. And again, here's your opportunity to pick some relay up, some Ashwood Park relay in your in your program, and add some marbling and some depth and some structure. They're really really pretty animals, and I think that they'll go a long way for improving most people's herds. So now we're done with the embryo lots, we switch off into semen. And the cool part about these semen lots are is there's there's a lot of interesting things that Dave that Steve Borland has done up at Rapid Bay and I think it's very interesting and I and I truly wish that more of these sires were dual registered. I will let you know there is one in here that is dual registered and we might be banning some semen off of just so that we can say, you know, we've used it and we've evaluated it and and either it's right or it's wrong. So for us, not for you guys, but for us, it's either going to work in our system or it won't. So Rapid Bay, Rapid Bay Blue Chip is the first of these animals that are coming up. And he's kind of cool because he's an Ashwood Park Virile on top of a Katsukari by IWG Judo Cow. So what you're getting here is, is you're getting an animal that has the propensity to have very good structurally sound and effective feet and legs through Ashwood Park Virile. And then you're bringing on top the marbling factors of Katsukari and, and a, judo, a Judo Daughter. So what you're really doing is, is you're bringing forward a heavily packed marbling machine, really. And hopefully you're getting the structure from Vrele, which is interesting. He's an awful light colored bull. That's always been a concern of me of mine about Ashwood Park Vrele. But I think that this is a good opportunity if you're lacking in very, very good, finer marbling. I'm not talking thick band, finer marbling that you're going to get with this breeding. Here's your opportunity. Pick it up, buy some blue chip and enjoy it. Lot nine is the sexed, it's female sex blue chip. Here's your opportunity again. If you need to have some sex semen, you want to make some pretty cool stuff. And, and here you go. Now, unit three, number 10, we've got three units of, of Rapid Bay Akura. Kind of cool thing here is that you're getting a really, really like deeply bred animal. And, and what's interesting about this lot to me is that not only are you getting an animal that should have some very good structure, but he's going to be long. And that's the coolest part about this. So what you're doing is you're getting Ashwood Park by Judo, by, Shug, by Shugmaru, by Big Al, by Tamaru, by Akiku. Akiko. And, and that's awesome. That's amazing to me that you're he's been able to pack all of that into one package. So the really interesting part to me is that he did did it in such an, a way that I think this like if you look at the picture of this guy, he's beautiful. He's slick through the shoulder. He's he's a little shorter than I'd like to see him, but he but he fits together and his his pieces are absolutely amazing. And, and there's a lot to say for that. There's a lot to say for going out in the pasture, looking at a bull and loving him. You know, when we move down to lot 11, you know, it, it's really, really cool to see that that this bull is a direct son of Katsukari. So I have a Katsukari son. I absolutely love him. He's one of my favorite bulls. He's not quite as nice and bulky and, and long as my master chef sons, but he plays a part because I'm getting a huge ability for these animals to marble 
and maintain structural conformation. You know, that's my favorite thing about these Australian bulls. They give me a lot of depth, they give me a lot of width, they give me a lot of length, and they give me a lot of structure. So, you know, that's why we like using them. And look at the picture. This bull is absolutely beautiful, you know. And coming from a IWG Miss Judo 73Z, you know, Garth really used that, that cow a lot. And I, I really appreciated the way that she looked and the, and the structure that she has in any of the pictures that I've seen of her. And I don't think he would have used her as heavily if he wasn't as proud of her as he was and, and knows that she makes really good animals. You know, and, and that's really the important part. That's what we're all about is making good animals and doing it the best way we know how. So let's shift a little gears. I wanted, I wanted to split this into two different kind of podcasts. So we talked about the cows, then the upcoming cell, and now we're going to switch gears and talk about vaccination. So here's the deal. So vaccination is a very important part of most people's cattle operation. Vaccines are very, very influential on how we keep our animals healthy. And if we can't figure out how to keep our animals healthy, we're going to run into some problems. And that's the thing that worries me the most is getting an animal sick and not being able to take care of it. So vaccinations happen and, and we administer them as, as cattle producers. There are two kinds of immunity cattle can have. We can have the first kind of immunity is called passive immunity, and that's given to the calf by, calf by its mother. So it, its mother generates colostrum as he's born and in, and in the milk and passes it through to the calf. And this helps that calf get up and go and, and protects him for the first 30 to 60 days fairly well. The problem is, is when you start vaccinating, you know, if, if we were to just stop that, the animal has to get their immunities always being hit you know they, they want to be able to have that immunity so that they're always uh, preventing themselves from getting diseases and the way we do that here in America is through active immunities we give them vaccinations and and those are two important things to remember the biggest thing is is passive immunity only works so long then we need to have active immunity to keep these cows safe and healthy and happy throughout their life. One thing that I think a lot of people don't do is when they do do vaccines on calves, they oftentimes forget that there needs to be a booster on most of these calves 14 to 21 days later. You know, we hit them with that vaccine and we let it go and we don't worry about it. You know, the problem is with that is these animals do need that booster to be optimally vaccinated. So remember, you know, when your kids were small or you were small and you had to have a shot and then you had to go back and get a booster shot at a certain point. Well, that, that's all we're doing. We're, we're giving them that passive and, you know, that we're taking that passive immunity and building onto it with an active immunity and we're moving forward. And it's an important part of keeping cattle healthy and safe. So here's, the, here's kind of what we have on set for what we do here on our operation. I will tell you right now, I'm not going to throw out, hey, use this product because it's the best, because I think that a lot of the products out today have very, very good research behind them. And and I don't care whether you're going to use Bovishield Gold or you're going to use Bering Ingelheim or Ultraback 8, just as long as you're using a high quality product. You know, if you're scared or worried, consult your vet on what you guys should be using or what brands he seems to think works in, in your area pretty well. 
So how we break up our vaccinations is in really three groups of animals. We have cows 45 to 60 days pre-calving. And it's important for that pre-calving because we, we have a cow that has a fetus growing inside of it. So we do not want to give this animal live virus vaccines. So now that I've brought that up, there are two kinds of vaccines that are given. There are dead vaccines and there are modified live vaccines. And we need to be very mindful about when we give either dead vaccines or modified live vaccines or or as a lot of people call them, killed vaccines. Um, and that's because you could cause an abortion to a calf. And, and that's the last thing we want. We work hard to keep these animals fit and healthy and get them bred. We don't want to throw our money out the door by dumping a calf because we gave the wrong vaccine. So our cows that are 45 to 60 days pre-calving, they get a killed virus complex. You know, this is going to take care of the IBRs, the BVDs, the pneumonias, the PIs, and the BRSUs. And this is pretty important because we need to have those taken care of to keep our cows healthy. And this is going to help them pass on some of that passive immunity to their calf. We're trying to get that passive immunity built up so that not only through the gestational period, but through the lactation period, they have that ability to pass on those antibodies to that calf. And that calf's going to benefit so much from us being able to do this and, and keeping his immune system at top notch. The next thing we need to do is we need to look at forms, some form of clostridial complex and tetanus uh, toxoid. We use Ultrabac 8 and an 8-way. Um, that's just what we use. We found it very useful. It's we can get it here and, and we give it to these cows, you know, every time they come to pre-calving 45 to 60 days. We also do a pink, pink eye vaccine at this time and any form of scour guard that we're going to use. You know, that's that's where this comes in. Our second group of cows we like to talk about are cows that are that are 30 days open and prior to breeding. This is uh, the time that we need to step back and think about, do we want to use modified live virus? And I'm going to tell you this, if you're going to put embryos in, I would recommend not using modified live viruses 90 days prior to you putting embryos in these cows. You know, a lot of people say, oh, 30 to 60 days is fine. Every time I talk to my embryologist, he's really leery and would rather you be out more than 90 days. So because of how we operate our, our calving cycle and the fact that we try to calve every year within the same period of time, this very rarely happens to our older animals. Anything that you would call a cow doesn't get modified live virus. It's just not going to happen. And that's just because we put so many embryos in and then breed you know, the bulls on top of the cows so they don't get that opportunity. So again, we use a modified, you know, a killed virus at this point. Um, same, same killed virus we used 45 to 60 days pre-calving. So again, we're working on IBR, BVD, your pneumonias, B, your BRSUs. And then we come down and we're going to use a clostridial complex again and a tetanus toxoid. So, you know, again, we're using eight ways our tetanus toxoid and, and it's been great for us. You know, we really like the outcome. We haven't had any problems. We haven't had any problems with our, with our cows or our calves. And, and that's really what, what I'm going to tell you is, is find a process that works for you. That's easy for you to administer and easy for you to do. So here's the interesting one. So calves 45 days prior to weaning. This is the most crucial time I've found in vaccinating animals for a lifelong 
health and happiness. So at that time, I always use a modified live virus. These calves are 45 days prior to weaning, so we hit them with that, that modified live virus. And that modified live virus is, gives them a little different response than, than what you're used to seeing uh, with, your, with your dead or your killed vaccines. It, it hits them pretty hard sometimes, and that's okay because I want them to have the best immunity response to that, to that virus or to that bacteria too, any bacteria so that their body's able to recognize it and come back and take care of it. And by using that modified live virus, I am doing that. And then for the rest of their life after this point, they're going to get killed virus. And that's just how we do it on our, our operation. And it's okay if you don't agree with it, because I'm not changing what I'm doing, but I'm going to give you the information so that you can make an informed decision on what you should be doing. So we've given this modified live virus. I always hit them up with a with some form of clostridial complex. You know, it's very important for you to give that. Again, we're trying to build that immunity. We're trying to build that immune system response that helps these calves stay healthy, not only with you, but through their either next ownership or in the feedlot so that we're not running into a train wreck. After that, we give them a pink eye vaccine because it's just, you know, we're heading out on grass. We were on grass at this time, and we want to make sure that we don't get pink eye running through the herd. Now, the big thing that's different with calfhood vaccines is we give a pastorella vaccine, and that's been huge for us. You know, we give this pastorella vaccine. It's been one of those vaccines that have been tried and true, and it's really a you know, where we live, we give it because we don't want to see our animals go down and, and, and be out. So again, they get a tetanus toxoid um, and we use again eight way and it's been really good for us and we've really uh, seen benefit from using it. So here's the weird part for us though. Any calf that's 40, that's weaned to one year old heifer, Again, like I said, heifer has to have bangs vaccinations where I live. So a lot of times what we do is we wait 21 days. So they're 40 day, five days prior to waiting. So we bring them back in 21 days and we hit them with the boosters. And then the day we wean, uh, we make everybody's had their, their booster shots. They're ready to go. Sometime between weaning and a year, we will gather these animals up. We will we'll take care of their horns because, you know, Wagyu are a horn breed. We will take care of their horns and get all heifers their vaccine for brucellosis, which is called bangs. And that is administered by a veterinarian. Sometimes he comes out and does it at our place. Sometimes he does it at his place. Just depends what he has the availability to do. That's what we do. Make it easy on your vet. He'll make it easy on you. So just a quick synopsis of what we've covered today. I, I really enjoyed being able to look at these red wagyu or akaushi or whatever you want to call them, Japanese browns, if we want to be politically correct, I guess. They, I think Steve Borland's put together a great first sale and a great ability for people coming into this breed to be able to get some things that they really, really want. And I, I really appreciate the quality of animals that he, he has and the ability he has to, to show those animals. You know, if you ever get on his website, you can see some beautiful meat pictures. So, you know, these animals have the propensity to give you what you want when it comes to marbling. 
the other thing that I'm really grateful for is that, you know, he's giving you an opportunity to own a Katsukari, some semen on a Katsukari son that is dual registered, not only with the Wagyu Associ American Wagyu Association, but with the Akaushi Association. You know, it, that's the cool part in Lot 11, and I think everybody should really look into that lot if they want dual registered animals. The last thing I want to cut, just want to remind everyone, is that vaccine protocols, they're different everywhere you go. Contact your veterinarian, talk to him a little bit, talk to your neighbors, see what they're doing, and, and find what works for you. I just wanted to let everybody know that the vaccines are important, important to me because I believe that they keep our animals healthier for, for the future and, and that they are, they're a good thing. You know, and, and if you're running into mineral problems for some reason, you know, everybody's hay prices are so expensive and maybe your hay quality is not the best. I'd really look into a, to a product called Multiman 90. We've used it for a couple of years. Um, I think it's been beneficial and, and it's not, it's not a silver bullet. It's not going to get rid of your, your mineral program, but it is a complimentary thing that I think will push your mineral program to the next, next level. And we found great benefit in it. I'll see you next week here at What's New in Wagyu.